0: to the points of experience podcast i am the host your host paul castro jr Normally, I do these episodes, and I am extremely excited to sit down with individuals and professionals across all forms of the entertainment industry, oftentimes voice actors, on-camera actors, producers, writers, casting directors, you name it. We really have kind of spanned the entirety of the industry uh, talking with individuals who work in various parts of the industry, and it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever gotten to do. And I've learned so much, and hopefully our listeners, you all, have learned a lot as well. Uh, Today I want to take a little different approach and speak about the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes that have been ongoing now. For the WGA, it's been about three months right now, and for SAG-AFTRA we are nearing one month of being on strike. I actually, um, let me make sure I can cover the pertinent information here, I've been a card-carrying member of strike since 2013, so... A decade now, I've been in SAG-AFTRA, and to, to see what is happening has been... Obviously, a monumental impact on the industry, on individuals, on actors, on writers, and everybody else working within the system. We're talking about people behind the scenes, the crew workers, um, casting agents, uh, catering. There's so many people who are involved in the system of the entertainment industry that a lot of jobs right now have been lost or postponed. People are left without income. And I wanted to speak about kind of my personal challenges and the way that the strike has affected me and the importance of these strikes and kind of why it's all happening. So also forgive me, I'm going to be referencing a lot of articles here. And I want to preface that uh, as much vetting as I've done, as much information as I've digested This is just me speaking on this, and I might get some things wrong. Some things might change as information is being developed. We're recording this on July 31st, Um, so information might change within hours about what's happening. Um, Just to go ahead and speak, apparently the AMPTP has agreed to re-enter negotiations with SAG and WGA um, as per a few hours ago. So who knows what the future will hold. But while I can, I want to speak on this and hopefully educate people in the industry who have been unclear about some of the reasons why we are on strike, um, some of the things and the ramifications of being on strike, and hopefully what we can do to support the strike and actors and, and other individuals, writers, who are experiencing the ramifications of uh, fighting for a fair wage and other important negotiating details, because a lot of people I think of believe that this strike is just about AI and artificial intelligence or pay increases. And while those two things are absolutely true and kind of the cornerstones of the strike, there are so many other bullet points that are being addressed specifically for actors. Um, There are other details within the WGA contract that I will speak about as well or negotiation uh, bulletins. Again, I'm not a WGA member. My partner is a writer, and she is way more versed in what has been going on with that. She works for a uh, a showrunner of a a television series. Sorry, a a co-executive producer of of a television series, and. I have information regarding both of these things, so I feel somewhat qualified to speak on the WGA WGA stuff from the information I've read, and also as a SAG member for over a decade who has been experiencing some of uh, what has been happening to me personally, Um, I also work in voiceover, and we're going to touch upon struck work versus non-struck work and all the kind of minute details that go into what people can and can't work on. Great. Great got that all out of the way. Uh, For anybody here who is finding this video because it's referencing the strike and it's kind of a hot topic uh, subject, again, my name is Paul Castro Jr. I have been acting for probably 13 years now. Uh, Professionally, I've been a SAG member for 10 years plus-ish, a decade, like I've said, and I've worked on, I got my SAG card working on a iHeartRadio Coca-Cola commercial doing voiceover. Ironically enough, since I do voiceover a ton, but I spent about eight years in New York City doing theater, doing film and television. I've appeared on shows like Limitless, Blue Bloods, Law & Order, The Blacklist, God Friended Me, and films like The Skeleton Twins with Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, People Places Things with Jermaine Clement, um... But you can go to my IMDb. You can see all the stuff there. And I've worked extensively in anime and video games, and that's what most people here know me from: Rindo Kanade and The Other World Ends with You, uh, Dragon and Studio Chizo's Bell, uh, Frenemy and Genshin Impact, uh, Ryota Miyagi, The First Slam Dunk, blah 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 blah. Enough on me. Um, but I spent a good amount of time in New York City as a SAG member, working in film and television, and that was a great portion of how I made my living. I was also doing so many other jobs, like many actors have to in order to survive, and that's kind of where this strike is really speaking from. Um, So many actors are not able to survive and make a sustainable career just off acting alone, and I don't mean just from like TV movies and the things that most people will recognize actors from, but I'm talking about even commercials, even voiceover narration, promo and print, um the various other jobs you can perform as an actor. Even with all that said, someone stated, with a a board member of of SAG-AFTRA stated that 12% of members qualify for insurance. There's 160,000, I believe, SAG-AFTRA members, 10,000, I believe, WGA members. Again, these are, you know, feel free to fact check me, but I've been extensively researching, and some of these articles might be wrong. Give or take, those numbers are correct. Twelve point seven percent of actors qualify for the twenty-six thousand dollars a year health insurance. Put really think about that number. So there are eighty seven seven percent of actors who are not qualifying for SAG-AFTRA health insurance. It's wild. In the ten years that I've been working as an actor, I've qualified for insurance for two of them and now i know i listed all of my credentials and everything and it might seem to some people like i'm very successful and very wealthy the income i make the majority of years is considered below the poverty line and that is the reality for many of us actors working below the poverty poverty line having to request state or government aid food stamps unemployment frequently um other means of income, while that's a you know whether it's a job bartending, waiting, um, something that's making you available to be an actor when those times call, and I've done all of those things. Um, I started my own business doing websites for actors and directors and producers, performers. Uh, when I was living in New York, I was a personal assistant for many years, um, and up until I moved to LA in 2020, the years that I was finally making. And I wouldn't even say sustainable living. Combined with my partner, we were able to um, afford a car. <laughs> that was kind of our grand purchase in life. We were finally able to afford, a with a loan, of course, an $18,000 Toyota RAV4 that we are still paying off to this day with monthly payments and insurance. Um, not to mention... I've lived in two of the most expensive cities in the world that are pretty much the hubs you need to live in to compete in this market as an actor. Um, And I know a lot of people here might be saying, well, if it doesn't work for you, if you're not making enough money, find a new career. But this is the reality, like I said, for so many actors. We see celebrities who are filthy rich and killing it. That is such a small percentage of the journeyman actors, performers, who tell these stories that have gotten us all through kind of the toughest times in the world. Actors, these journeyman actors, are some of the most um, underappreciated people and kind of uh, ridiculed when people... When you say you're a performer or an actor and you're not like a Hollywood celebrity, celebrities are revered. Actors are often laughed at. The amount of times I've, you know, in the, my over 10 years of working in this industry, you know, I've told people, you know, I'm an actor. People are like, well, what have I seen you in? And just because somebody doesn't know the job that you've been in or that you've worked on doesn't mean you're not an actor. Um, I would say I'm a great actor. I I would say I'm very good at what I do, and I don't mean that I'm the most talented, but I mean that from a stance of when I started out, I wasn't talented, and I wasn't good. I wasn't great, but I worked really hard at understanding this craft like you would any other profession, and when I get a job or I get an opportunity, I work my ass off. I really work my ass off, and that's why I think I'm a great actor because I show up on time. I know my lines. I've thoroughly researched what I'm doing. I've practiced. I've trained. I've coached. And I've done everything within my power to do a great job. And I think more times than not, I have done a great job. Not everything I've done has been widely known. Um, I doubt many of you here listening, if you're not a fan of mine, would even know half of the things I've been in. Would know 90% of the, 99% of the things I've been in. But that doesn't make me not an actor. There are so many people who are co-stars, guest stars, day players, background performers. Um, As voice actors, they do dubbing for... uh, Tell uh, you know, live action dubbing for series into foreign language from foreign languages. Um, they do walla, which is basically filling in the background um, voices that you hear in movies. Um, there's so many versions of being an actor. a SAG AFTRA member that don't mean you have to be a celebrity, and that has been my experience. I've I've worked on some cool things, and some people might perceive that I am extremely well off financially and successful, but. I have struggled so much. It has impacted my mental health, my anxiety, my depression. And again, this is not a boo-hoo about me. I'm a strong person. I've, I've fought through it. But that's not the case for many people. And I've had to speak to therapists. I've had to figure out ways of managing my mental health. And it's... Because I need to do this stuff. I am a storyteller. I am an artist. It is something I am good at. It is something I feel I can contribute to. And I've given a good majority of my life to these companies and done such hard work. And I have not been properly compensated for that or protected. And I also want to be clear why I am extremely proud of SAG-AFTRA. And I am in this fight and agree with everything that we are fighting for right now this is not to say that the union is not to be accountable for certain things that they can do better as well. You know, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, once this strike is done and we've gotten what we fight fought for, that we don't need to address things with sag after, like, you know, the health care minimums and things of that nature, because those are extremely important, um, that, you know, all things can be adjusted. But right now, the bad guys are the heads of these companies the amptp and i want to make sure that i'm clear on on who i am addressing actually the heads of these studios which consist of here we go, amptp is amazon mgm apple nbc universal disney abc fox netflix paramount cbs sony and warner brothers and I'm sure there's more to the collection of these major studios. Um, but these are the people who the heads of these unions are negotiating with. These people are making so much money. The heads of these companies, Bob Iger, the things that they're saying, the way that they respect and treat actors and writers is deplorable. The the the, the, the backs that they have pushed down and they've stood on their high chairs from have been these working hard individuals like writers. Uh, actors, and even producers and directors, but those are separate guilds, Um, but it's really the heads of these studios who believe that their billions of dollars is not enough money for them to have made, and for the writers and actors who are trying to find a fair wage to compete with inflation over contracts that have not been updated to reflect the inflation of society in years, they think we don't deserve it. They think we don't deserve a fair wage. They don't think we deserve health care and insurance. They they are looking for any way to mitigate the amount of money and yachts and whatever else they spend all their billions of dollars on. They want that to be as minimal as possible um, because they think that they can wait us out. They think that we are replaceable. We're dispensable and that inevitably we will choke and we will cave and accept the deals that they're willing to give us. But they're wrong and we've heard this before i'm sure you've heard this before actors we are very we are survivalists we have to have survival jobs because we haven't been able to make a career out of acting alone it's it's just not it's just not feasible it was in years where if you got a gig you know and this is what a lot of the writers are fighting for when a series was ordered you know there would be a series order minimum of like 20 episodes now that has dropped down because of the competition and streaming to 8 to 10 So when you got a job, you knew I'm guaranteed 20 episodes of something, right? That's double the income or more for a lot of performances and especially writers. I want to now frame this from the first talking point is the base income salary. Writers and actors both are looking for pay increases to match the inflation and to update the contracts that have not been updated in years And while streaming has opened the doors to so many people having the availability to get a job or make a living in this industry, it is more gig opportunities, especially for actors, where if you get one of these jobs, it's not paying enough. So while the floodgates have opened for actors, if you get one of those jobs, it's paying significantly less in the market where cost of living and food and everything else has increased exponentially so just because you get a job, it doesn't really mean much because you have to keep fighting for job after job after job. And there's more things in the SAG after um, fight that we'll go over that also affect that as well. And that same argument for writers: twenty-episode orders, right, going down to ten or eight. They're also trying to decrease the amount of writers on these projects. So they're trying to decrease the amount. They're not paying. They're not increasing the pay wage. And then typically, when there was a writers' room, right? If there was X amount of people, now they're trying to get less writers to do the work for no increase in pay, right? So they're trying to fight for specifically. I want to make sure I get these numbers correctly here. So um, they're looking for six percent, five percent, five percent for all minimums, including residual bases, right? AMP AMPTP offered four three two. Um, which isn't going to mean much for all of you, but basically they're looking for a a, a minimum pay increase for everything. But the preserving the writers room, which I'm talking about here, is they are looking for a minimum staff of six writers, including four writer producers. And post-greenlit rooms, one writer per episode, up to six episodes, then one additional writer required for each two episodes after six, up to a max of 12 writers. The example they give is 8 episodes require 7 writers, including 4 writer-producers. 10 episodes would require 8 writers, including 5 writer-producers. The AMPTP rejected this proposal and rejected to make a counteroffer. They're also asking for a duration employment of a minimum of 10 consecutive weeks. Writers on a staff must get at least 3 weeks per episode, up to a max of 52 weeks. Half of the minimum staff must be employed through production, and one writer must be employed through post. Again, rejected proposal and refused to make a counteroffer. This is kind of the stance that the AMPTP has been taking, where they do not value us. They don't value the people who have been making these stories. They think that somebody will do it, especially with AI. They think that humans, they don't want to take the offer we're giving them. We'll just get robots to do it. And I really think that most of you would agree Without a human connection, understanding the story coming from an emotional place from a writer or director um, or from actors who can really bring these performances to life, we will not settle for AI-generated writing or performances. It will not be the same. As much as they think that they can do the work that we can, it is not possible. There is something about a human experience in the way that we interpret um, history, life, experience that no that no AI can replicate. AI is a tool that sure can be used to help artists, but it cannot replace them. And that AI discussion is something else that we're really trying to fight for, for writers. It comes from the terms of regulating the use of artificial intelligence on MBA-covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, and it can't be used as a source material. And MBA-covered material can't be used to train AI. Again, rejected the proposal countered by offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. So basically, they're saying, trust us. We're not going to say, sure, yeah, we're not going to let AI... um, uh, They they, they won't agree to saying AI should not be able to create source material or uh, write these things, but they'll say, trust us, we got your back. From an acting standpoint, one of the biggest talking points has been that they are trying to... um, do scans of background actors and pay them a one-time fee and then own the rights to their bodies for, uh, in perpetuity, which means for all of time. And uh, they really don't want to agree. I mean, I want to make sure I'm clear on on saying what the actual SAG-AFTRA um, situation is here. For SAG-AFTRA... Sorry here, y'all. Um, I have so many slides open that it's, it's actually kind of embarrassing because... That's. It's, I think it's about 12 pages of SAG-AFTRA in the negotiations where uh, for WGA, it's two. Here we go here. In terms of AI, there's also, uh, I mean, this is worth noting too, they want to acknowledge that performance capture is in fact SAG-AFTRA cover category of work, um, which makes you know things like Avatar possible. They, they rejected that. Insane. Um, Artificial intelligence. Where are you here? Come on, baby. There's just so much here. And if if you want to read this for yourself, you can go to sagafter.org files. SA underscore um, documents. I'm going to link it in the description below so you can see what I'm referencing here. Um, Singers, major role performers. uh, Oh, we can do this thing. It's called Control-F. Isn't that great? So many inferences. Okay, here. Performers need the protection of our images and performances to prevent replacement of human performances by artificial intelligence. Us. Here's a comprehensive set of provisions to grant informed consent and fair compensation when a digital replica is made of our performances uh, and is changed using AI. Them. We want to be able to scan background performers' images, pay them for half a day's labor, and then use an individual's likeness for any purpose forever without their consent. We also want to be able to make changes to principal performers' dialogue and even create new scenes without informed consent. And we want to be able to use someone's images, likenesses, and performances to train train new generative AI systems without consent or compensation. Oh, gosh. And again, this is from July 17th, so we're talking two weeks ago, but they have off... They have... Agreed to enter into new negotiations, so this could change, but there was massive blowback from from that type of uh, situation, and I want to make sure I go back to for sag The minimums, um, we're looking for a 11% general wage increase in year one with 4% in two and 4% in three. Without an inflation adjusted year one wage increase, members will be working for lower real wages in 2023 than they earned in 2020 and would likely still be working for lower real wages in even 2026. They countered with less than half of that number. Um, Now it's a good point to go to the residual stuff because that's another huge argument point with things like Netflix and streaming. um, There has been no real way to regulate what is doing well or not. And for actors um, in the new media revenue sharing, they are looking just to have uh, revenue generated when their performances are exhibited on streaming platforms. Basically, when you're in a a streaming series and allow the cast to share in the success of high performative shows, they've rejected that. And the same is going for writers who are working on these things. So the uh, residuals for writers here. We're just going to use, oh, here we go. Establish a viewership-based residual. In addition to existing fixed residuals, the reward programs with greater viewership require transparency regarding program views. Again, rejected, did not offer to make a counter. Residuals used to be a majority of how a lot of actors would make their money post their initial payment fee. So when you get hired as an actor, you either get paid a day rate or a weekly rate, or you get a contracted rate for the entirety of a production. Um, Actors, oftentimes, it's uh, on camera. You're getting either that weekly scale or you're getting a day rate scale, depending on co-star, guest star, principal performer. Recurring guest star, um, you know, these main characters might have a, a... a favored nations contract where nobody can get paid more than X amount in tele, or in film contracts. Oftentimes they're offering a, uh, for the higher performers, you know, the, the top of the, the call sheet list people, they're offered to get a X amount of money for the role based on however long it takes and maybe they might get a share of the profits um, based on sales after they've recouped what uh, they would need to pay back investors and all of those things. That was a huge having residuals based after that. You know, depending on the success of the film, was a way that a lot of people made money. Um, I remember I did a commercial, a voiceover for Gerber, and um, it was a national television commercial, and I made more money off of the residuals because they kept buying it. And this was over ten years ago, maybe it was like eight years ago. And at this point, where cost of living was way less, I made more money from the residuals of them continuing to air that. Um, commercial in both domestic and foreign markets than I did from the payment I got that first time. So there were contracts in place to protect that, and the residuals I got because of that were great. Um, On network television, you would know how many people were viewing these shows, and if they would continue to run reruns, sell them to domestic markets or foreign markets, or sell them to like airplanes. Actors were getting a bigger piece of the pie then, because it was a network television show, and they could really gauge the success of these things with the the streaming services they control all of that and oftentimes it's not supported by um commercial um advertisements like netflix you know they're finally looking at a, a, a an ad platform now because the 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 money that they're making is probably not great they're probably at an extreme loss right now these streaming platforms um there's too much competition and they need to figure out a way to uh recoup a lot of their loss a lot of their bets to compete against each other basically um these residuals as of late for me have been like one cent two cent max amount of money i've seen for a residual in the past five years has been like 20 bucks this has been for co-stars, guest stars, and not to mention for video games and animation, um, some animation, but specifically video games. Residuals don't even exist. And to be clear, again, interactive agreement is separate than the TV theatrical contract, which sag After is mainly fighting for. So I have reached out to SAG. And they are supposed to be entering into negotiations as of this past week to discuss the interactive agreement for video games and hopefully be fighting for residuals and things of that nature and protections so that when you work on a video game and you get paid that, that day rate, which oftentimes doesn't turn out to be that much, that if the game is very successful, that you can recoup um, some of the, the revenue share when your performance might be a direct correlation for why that game is successful. It's only fair that these companies that are making so much money off of the, the, you know, the hard work of the people who bring them to life, writers and actors and everybody else included, that we should get a, a piece of that pie when there is success past the initial um, payment, because those initial payments are not enough to survive nowadays. So residuals is a big thing, making sure that we're getting compensated fairly for whether they perform well or not. I think uh, the writers are looking for a tiered system based upon, like, if it receives X amount of uh, viewership, you know, those residuals will increase, um, whereas actors are looking for basically can we have residuals um, for Netflix or whatever it is, and not like an initial buyout, which is something that they've, I've seen being done where they give you, like, a, a, an upfront fee based on speculation of what we would earn for residuals. That is not a real good solution for how these things work, um, It's just really hard to survive as an actor. Again, I qualified for health insurance two out of the 10 years I've been a member. I can't imagine. Um, During a a pandemic, people who weren't able to qualify, which I wasn't for year one of that pandemic, and I had many health complications, what that does to a performer to try and stay alive, making those choices to, I go to the hospital or not, can I afford this medication? Can I can afford to even keep doing this? It's um, I really my heart goes out to performers and writers who have had to make those hard decisions, because billionaires don't want to take um, a two percent pay cut, and I think that was the number that was stated. If the billionaires and the executives were willing to take a two percent cut of their earnings, that would solve everything. The AMPTP, um, or sorry, that the the unions are asking for, it'd be two percent of their incomes to solve everything that we're asking for. Also, this does not apply to... There have been interim agreements that SAG has been making with independent production companies so that people can still work. Um, because mainly that the AMPTP and everybody who exists within that uh, group of people, they are the people we are asking these negotiations of, but there have been independent production companies um, who have agreed to everything that the unions are asking for. So SAG has made interim agreements to say, yes, you can work on those projects, even though they would technically fall into um, one of the agreements that would be struck work. Um, I guess now would be a great time to go over what exactly struck first non-struck work is. because a lot of the things that I've worked on have been non-struck and I'm very grateful for that because of, uh, I just don't know if I would be able to live right now. I'd have to probably move out of my, my home. I wouldn't be able to aff- afford rent. Um, but it is everything including acting, singing, dancing, performing stunts, piloting on cap- camera aircraft, puppeteering, performance capture work. ADR and looping, TV trailers, promos, theatrical trailers, voice acting, singing, narration, stunt coordinating, all relevant to the the TV theatrical contract, Um, and promoting to a certain extent. But there are certain things like you can do cameos or you can do conventions. So anybody who's been curious about that specifically for anime and voice actors, you you can do conventions. You just cannot promote uh, work that would have been considered struck work. Um, yeah, I want to make sure I'm linking all of this, too, in the um, the description, too. And I want to also address what a scab is. So that's somebody who, if they decide to engage in work that would be considered struck work, you are labeled a scab, and you will be kicked out of the union if you are caught scabbing, working on a project that would be considered struck work. Um, and even if you are not in the union and you work on something that would be considered struck work, you will not be allowed to join. Um, There's been a lot of people like on TikTok talking about like they don't care about scabbing, it doesn't apply to them. There are influencer contracts and a lot of these content creators are working with SAG contracts, so it's really kind of disingenuous for them to um, promote who gives a crap um, to these tons of followers they have on social media. Um, And for anybody wondering, here's a quote I believe from uh, Stephanie Smith, that I don't know when this was published, but they said from blemish to strike breaker, the history of the word scab shows a displacement of meaning from the visceral or physical to the mortal regist- moral register. Just as a scab is a physical physical lesion, the strike breaking scab disfigures the social body of labor, labor, both the solidarity of workers and the dignity of the work. So I guess that's why they call people scabs, because you're kind of um, disfiguring the social body of labor. Um, in solidarity with the people, you know, choosing to not work right now to fight for what we all um, really need in these important times. I do think that a lot of these negotiations should have happened years prior. I think that it's unfortunate that it's happening on the heels of a pandemic when people really needed to get back to work. But it is, if not now, when? And if we agreed to these things, especially in terms of AI, it would only get worse Um, these studios will abuse things to save money, um, scanning people's likeness and being able to alter their performances to save money on calling actors in. Um, it's just really unfortunate that a lot of these people and companies are corrupt and greedy and they don't know when enough is enough. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. The fact that there was a situation, I believe it was outside Warner Brothers or Disney, correct me if I'm wrong here, somebody. They wound up cutting the trees down, the leaves, the shade that it was being available to the strikers because they thought that that would um, basically um, discourage people from coming. And that was shown to have not been approved. And they did that and they received like a $300 fine. These studios are doing dirty tactics uh, to prevent people from striking and picketing. But there are still people out there daily, weekly. From the WGA, again, it's been over 12, 13 weeks. SAG, it's been three weeks. I've been out there. And it's been tough. It is hot, 100-degree weather. And thankfully, people are donating water and meals and whatever else there is. And um, But it's not fun work. And there's something I want to talk about this, too, if you are striking or you decide to strike. I think that we need to keep promoting this on social media. So getting the word out, me spreading this message here is a part of my contribution. But showing that you're in solidarity and striking is amazing. Um, Keeping it lighthearted and fun. I know people have spoke about that from, from SAG saying, you know, we have to keep spirits high and keep encouraging people to come out here. And that's great and wonderful. There are people who are trying to exploit these strikes um, not in solidarity with what we're fighting for but for their own gain, thinking it is an opportunity for them to procure opportunities, which, sure, that's amazing if you're out there striking and you're able to find a job. Um, Because you've connected with somebody that's what this is all about people helping each other out and helping your fellow actor helping your fellow writer in whatever way we can collaborating and networking that's such a huge part of this and that's built into what striking is but the people who are kind of like I'm only doing this because I think that it's going to help me from a very selfish standpoint I don't agree with that and. I've seen a bit of that on social media and it's just a little disingenuous and I hope people um, don't continue to do that, but they continue to support and spread messages for why this is important and not only vanity of, um, you know, being out there for one day and never showing up again. We need people to continue supporting whatever way they can um, because I think that these studios are feeling the blowback from shareholders and the surrounding companies that they work with, you know, there's, I think they're speculating a loss of $4 billion to the industry and surrounding industries from the lack of content being produced. People are experiencing real financial hardship, both performer and writer and everybody else and these companies. And I don't think a lot of them can afford to experience this loss. They might act like they have all the power. Sure, these CEOs and everybody, they they can, you know, they're fine if they don't work. But the companies in general and the people that are, the people holding these things up, um, they can't. You know, the people on salary, on, on normal living wage salary, they can't afford to not be in work and producing content. It's just not possible. So, uh, Bob Iger, I'm real disappointed that you would say the things that you did that, um, You know, we're going to force people out of their apartments. And uh, that's just not going to happen. We're strong and resilient. And we've been surviving for way longer, for for years, um, without you having to to do anything. You know, Uh, we've been survivalists again. Another really important part of this strike for actors, uh, and I want to go over kind of these big talking points because it's not just about the money, like I said. It is about... um, here we go. Here, uh, that's the writers. We get to the document for SAG here. Gosh, it keeps disappearing. i mean, here. We go. While it is for residuals, it's also for things like per diem, the amount of money you get for for meals and just having to be on set per day. Um, in you know to compensate with what inflation has happened, meals and incidentals, scheduled breaks, um which they have kind of tentatively agreed to. Um, Things Protections for singers. Vocal contracts. um, Dancers. Compensation when they're asked to sing or lip sync in addition to dancing. They should be paid the same for rehearsal days as performance days. Um, Wardrobe. The amount of money you get offered if you have to bring your own wardrobe or dry clean it. They're trying to get money so that if someone has to wear a corset, that they are entitled to additional compensation, things that are altering the body shape and could potentially harm somebody. Rejected. Um, Additional money for fittings. Looping retakes and and added scenes. Um, Increased money for breaks applicable to performers who contracts include guarantees for looping retakes and added scenes. You know, things that happen after production. Tons of protections for actors, such as um, reporting if you have to report before 6 a.m., that you're not forced to wait in an unsafe area. Um, Additional money if you have to style and bring your own wardrobe. People who are doing double duty, stand-ins, additional money to uh, be compensated for things that you did not initially agree to. Background actors being paid for each episode they're employed during a single day, because sometimes you might shoot more than one episode a day. They rejected that. A huge thing here is the casting and self-tape auditions. Performers should not be required to pay for access to employment opportunities. These are casting websites. So much of the industry is dependent upon people having subscriptions to all these various websites. You wind up having to pay like thousands of dollars a year just to be competitive in the market. So we're saying actors should not have to do that. They shouldn't have to exchange money to be accessed to the platform in addition to having agents and managers and all that stuff. um, They basically tried to offer a counter that would require um, actors um, uh, to—a solution that would be um, not great. I'll read it for you. Counter with an approach that will not stop unlawful practice of requiring many performers to pay for access to jobs. Uh, self tapes, you know, now uh, actors were often working from our homes as a voice actor. I, I do so much of my stuff in this room or I have a, a self tape room with a wall and a camera, expensive camera and lighting, proposed reasonable rules and expectations for self tape auditions that alleviate some of the burden and cost of casting that have shifted to members, for example, establish a minimum turnaround time for self tape auditions for adults and minors, excluding weekdays and holidays. Disclose if an offer is out or the role has already been cast at the time of self-tape auditions are requested and limit the the number of pages for a first call. So basically, this is like sometimes us as actors, we have to do this full production. We have to hire somebody to um, film this for us or be a reader, learn sometimes 12 pages of sides. Um, uh, uh, And we're oftentimes doing this when the role has sometimes been cast So we're doing all of this unpaid work, um, and there's no protection on what the minimums or maximums can be. Um, Obviously, there is trying to be um, protections for people who live outside the big markets. Um, Geographic discrimination for, like I was just saying, people who live outside of L.A. and New York. Uh, late payments, hair and makeup, equity, pension and health residuals, performance capture, stunt coordinators, diversity, translation, um, audio descriptive services, artificial intelligence, high budget budget SVOD, um, guest stars, series regulars, options between seasons, so that you know if you're working on something, you could be av- available to work on other other things. Um, Reporting on the residuals, meal breaks, rest periods, things under safety, sexual harassment and prevention, minors, access to health care, warm-up spaces, animal monitoring, 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 on-screen credits, insurance, off-camera stunt performers, non-disclosure agreements, promotional trailers, data reporting, reporting in general, um, of members' earnings, electronic reporting, um, arbitration, Reuse of clips in new media, unreleased projects, theatrical re-release payment. This is 11 pages, and it will be linked, and you can check this out on your own. If I were to talk about each and every one of these things, it would be a five-hour podcast. And just for the sake of it here, because we haven't talked about the other things for writers, they're also looking for uh, script fees for staff writers, the span um, cap of money, um... Uh, for protection to writers on a limited series, options and exclusivity, pilot and backup script premiums for HS, Um, I don't even know what that means, so you're going to have to forgive me on that. Uh, PH Diversion, Pension Health Fund, um, broadcast reruns, viewership-based streaming residuals. We talked about that. Ad-supported free streaming services. Um, foreign streaming residuals. Minimums in post production, uh, TV weeklies, the weekly rates of staff writers and story editors. Um, there's just tons of this stuff, and it's it's crazy that most of them have just been outright rejected. Um, as an actor, it really is discouraging to think that this is not a career where you're you're more than likely never going to make. A sustainable living unless you're in the 1% of celebrities who are lucky enough to do that. There's been stories of many people from, like, On Origins and the New Black, um, people on Abbott Elementary, both writers and actors who, you know, are showing up to these award shows and they can't even afford the tux to go to them. Um, the fact that we're often painted as entitled, spoiled, rich um, people is, is just so far from the truth. We spend a majority of our time, actors and writers, writers oftentimes writing on spec, trying to pitch their projects to see if they'll even get picked up, and you're not paid for that. And actors auditioning and not being compensated for that. Working for free, basically. Basically putting in time and labor for opportunity, and then when you finally are awarded an opportunity, it pays you pennies. Um, not enough to live in the markets that are competitive. Not enough to live in LA uh, to raise a family, to have health care. It's it's really unfortunate, and things should adapt and adjust as technology does. Streaming didn't exist to the in, in the capacity that it did, you know, five ten years ago, but now that we're here, we should be compensated in a fair way for the amount of money that these people are making and we're the people providing the the face of these projects or the words that we speak from the writers it's really um, it's heartbreaking that we're here but it's important and even if you're not a member there are so many ways you can support us sharing these messages on social media. Uh, You can donate to funds, SAG and WGA each, sag after and WGA each have funds that will help actors and writers in these times of need that actors and writers can uh, apply for. Um, You can donate food and and, um, water to the strikes. Um, Supporting people you know who may be out of work right now if you can offer them a job in the interim um, supporting independent film and television. Um, like I said, there's been some interim agreements and a lot of these film production companies, like, uh, I think a 24 has agreed to all of the, the demands, uh, or requests. I guess they are demands from, uh, SAG-AFTRA and the, um, to go back into production and, um, At these film festivals, you know, uh, um, sorry, let me clarify here. So a lot of these independent production companies, obviously, the goal is to sell these films. Uh, Sarah Silverman was recently uh, kind of confused and upset about this model of having people return to work. But I think it's important because while ultimately the goal is to sell these to uh, uh, in in a way of making money, oftentimes to these big platforms, um, we need people to get back to work. And so Ideally, when this strike is over, people have been able to make money on productions that have agreed to uh, adhere to the demands that are being requested. And then hopefully when they are sold, they're a part of that pie. They're a part of the pie because the contracts are built to say you're going to get X amount of money or X amount of residuals, whatever it might be, um, or empower independent platforms. I think ideally, if we can remove the power from these giants, that would be an ultimate way forward. Um, I don't know how possible that is right now. Um, I wish it was. I'm not someone qualified to speak on how it would become possible. I don't have that information or um, I don't think I'm just educated enough on how that would even be a possibility. But we have given so much power to these people that they feel like they can dominate us. And um, they're, for the time being, with what we're asking for, they're not. So, Please continue to support these strikes. I know we went kind of all over the place here. I hope I gave you a, a good insight on what it's like for the average actor um, or writer trying to survive right now and, and make a fair wage. Um, I think they stated that the average income for a, a, a SAG after a member is, like, based upon their income per year. If you would to based that on, like, hour, an average hours per week working that— another job would be making was like $27 an hour or, uh, averaged at $40,000 a year, which is, um, again, not a lot of money. And I think that average includes that percent of, um, people making millions and billions of dollars. So, you know, I, 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 for me personally, I, like I said, I've only qualified for health insurance twice. I've had to figure out many different ways to supplement income uh, even while working successfully. And from a voice acting perspective, hopefully we will keep fighting because as a voice actor, these minimums are so low. They are abysmal. Um, and there are companies that hopefully will get on board and make things go union. Um, but really, if you want to be a voice actor nowadays, unless you are able to have another job or work within the system as a writer or you know a localizer or direct working within the system also in addition to being a voice actor or be able to have a character that is profitable at conventions, there's no way you're going to survive on that work alone. Um, maybe if you're lucky, to you do commercial, promo, narration, anime, video games, everything at once, but it's so unrealistic um, that people are able to get all of those jobs. Um, oftentimes, you're competing against so many people and uh, agents will often only send you certain things. And also I want to be clear too, and this is both for, agent, uh, for actors and writers, we have to give oftentimes 20% of what we make to other people. And if you're really working hard, you give 10% to a publicist and maybe you have a stylist. So in addition to the taxes you're paying, health and pension, everything else, whatever it is, you wind up giving away 45% of your paycheck to other people and other things. And you take home half of that. So it's, it's it's not as glamorous as some people make it out to be. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Keep supporting the strike. I hope that that um, was a long-winded conversation with information that was helpful to you. Why it's important. Um, support your fellow actors, writers, everybody else who's experiencing hardship because of these strikes. Support on the picket lines if you can. Spread the word and the message. Um, and Yeah. It's, uh, it's a tough time out there. I hope as they go back to the table, they're able to come up with an agreement that works for us and not them. I hope we do not cave and submit at the attraction of getting back to work because this is a monumental time in history. And I hope that when this comes to the interactive agreements and anime agreements and all those things that we fight just as hard for residuals and compensation and protection. Thank you guys for listening watching. And uh, if you have questions, let me know. Feel free to fill up the comments with corrections of certain things. Um, if I was wrong about any information or if you have further questions about something, and hopefully I can get back to you on that. Maybe I can update this when I get a, uh, a reply back from the voiceover department from SAG. Um, and yeah, I want to get back to, to telling stories and feel like I'm compensated fairly and that I can exist doing this even at the successful rate that I am and I can afford to live a, a normal life not in poverty. All right, guys, take care. Have a great one, and we'll see you on the next one.